About the Church Podcast, episode number 119. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody, we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking about some church, man. What's up, y'all? What's up? <laughs> Hey everybody, my brother Cliff Ravenscraft here This is another episode of the About the Church podcast I've got my friend Robert on the line Robert, what's up my friend? Hey boy We're gonna, we're gonna kick it up a notch Or bring it down <laughs> I, I don't know, what what do we do what man? Is, what do you do with this? I we're don't know so not into this <laughs> Alright, anyway turn, Yeah, turn that off, would you? <laughs> yeah, I turned it off <laughs> So, Robert, it's been a couple of weeks since we've uh, really had a good long chat. Uh, although we had a good conversation the other night, I can't remember what it was about. But uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, what was it about? I don't remember. I don't know. Hey, what are we talking about today? I have no clue. <sighs> I bought a book. <laughs> what book did you buy? Did you buy the book that I told you about? Uh, I downloaded the the first chapter and yeah. I read the first couple paragraphs. Did you like it so far? It sounds extremely fascinating. One where I think I might actually want to go buy the paper version. I think that, you, you know what, it, it is a very good book. Um, by the way, we're talking about The Epic of Eden is the name of the book. And uh, this is one that DG talked about here on the About the Church podcast right, uh, right, right. quite some time ago. And I'm looking up the author right now. I'm pulling it up here on my Kindle. I was at the... Uh, I went to the gym to work out today and I have the print on like massive super old people size. Yeah. So I like could so I could read it while 82 I'm, font. Yeah. It's 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 crazy. Sandra L. Richter. R-I-C-H-T-E-R. Sandra L. Richter. And let me tell you, this this book is really good um, because it helps me get a better understanding of the Old Testament as far as how it was written and the mm-hmm. way it was meant to communicate. Um, I know that you only got the sample chapter. Did you read the entire sample chapter? Oh, no, no, no. I, I just downloaded it and was just perusing it. I, it really does a great job of breaking it down. And, and I'm, I'll tell you what it's done for me. I'm. Let me just uh, pull it up here real quick because one of the things I love about the Kindle is it tells you how many what percentage you are through the book. Right. And I am currently 48% of the way through this book. And I want to say this, for the first time ever, I mean, I've wanted to read through the Old Testament before just because, well, I, I'd like to know right. what the Old right. Testament says. And and I've right. certainly read, I, I you know what, I probably have read the entire Old Testament at least once through various different readings. Yeah. But never, you know, systematically going through and reading. I've never had a real desire to do it just for the pure enjoyment of hearing the story. Mm-hmm. And, and But now I feel like with just 48% of this book, The Epic of Eden, I already feel like I have this amazing contextual picture mm. of that. Mm. Especially the, the, um, the tribal system, understanding mm-hmm. the patriarch, the, the patriarchic uh, society. Um, uh, understanding these things called vassal relationships and these mm. the the covenants and vassals was not to to know that actually a lot of this is borrowed borrowed from legal customs of the day that aren't necessarily Christian in nature or 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 
you know, it's, it's, right. it, it, it's really interesting. It's mm. very interesting. Does it stay purely historical or does it actually venture into uh, an interpretation? I think it's probably mostly interpretation. I, I you know, I, I cuz one of the things now I I know a lot of my friends that will absolutely despise this book, but it calls to question the whole the you know, the literal 7 24-hour day mm. creation. Right. And uh go so far as to to make a point that it you know, that the word Adam, uh the name Adam could possibly not be just one person but to to state manhood like, exactly yeah and and so that some of that stretches you know my own understanding but when i when i hear the language and to understand the seven days uh and how that fits into other areas where the seven days and the the day of rest comes in and it does a really good job of explaining some things i i can't even do it justice but i, yeah. I want to say it's it's definitely not causing any doubts in my mind about my faith. If anything, it's adding, uh, it's answering some. You know, it's it's making me feel better about some of the things that I didn't understand before in the Old Testament. Um, I've always been the type of person who's always believed in a seven day literal, twenty uh, four right. hour a day period. But that's mostly because that's been my upbringing mm-hmm. and my teaching. Although. I've always been very open with the fact that you know what I'm okay with the fact that maybe everybody that I the, everything that I've been taught about seven literal days and the Earth is exactly you know ten to twelve thousand years old, right? I'm I'm okay and I can see the fact that you know so the Earth let's just say the Earth is a hundred thousand years old, and uh, it, let's just say that the seven day the you know that the creation wasn't just a seven day creation and and all of that stuff. I still don't think that that negates the the fall of man, you know, the entering of sin into the world, and and I, I just don't see that. And of course, you know, my friends over at Answers in Genesis, they would say that man, if you can't believe in a seven literal day translation of, you know, creation in seven twenty four hour periods, then obviously you've got a breakdown of the foundation. Which is the you know that it that God's story is built upon, and well, they want to extrapolate if you can't literally believe it word for word that the everything we know was built in seven days, then you can't literally believe that he died and rose again and was you know an atonement for us, right, then that could be even a symbol you know it puts into question that's I think where their foundation comes from. I don't personally have that problem. Uh, myself, though I'm with you. I'm I incline I'm inclined to believe in a seven day creation period. I'm inclined to believe in young Earth, and I've only done cursory reading. A lot of it being generated from answers in Genesis. But I'm completely open and willing to say the more we know, the less we know. And the more that I read these stories about how stuff comes up, the more it's obvious that. We really don't know much about what's going on, especially, <laughs> you know, that long ago. It's, so. it's kind of like, you know, I, and I do because I remember being all very, you know, defensive, um, you know, almost as an apologist for a young earth, 
you know, yeah. philosophy and, and everything. I remember being like that. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, being like Job. It's like, but God, you know, and I know I know how you work, God, and, and this yeah. just doesn't work, and this doesn't jive with what I understand about you, God, and, and Job's yeah. going on and on, and then God's like, and where were you when I named this? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> right. you little... How do you know what you're talking about? <laughs> and so sometimes I, 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 I'm like, I, I agree. You know, sometimes we think we know a lot. I, I just believe it's possible that the interpretation that some people have is, is maybe not maybe what it was. I, I don't know. I, I, I still lean towards seven days. Yeah, I lean that way. And, but I'm also much more willing to say that, hey, it could be something completely different, you know? You know what I'm not willing to say is I'm mm-hmm. not willing to say that sin did not enter the world through 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 man and and that right. and that the penalty of sin has been carried out and that that penalty is is uh separation from god also known as death mm-hmm. um and and you know and stuff like that the one thing that i'm still struggling with is the redemption plan mm. and what i mean by this is it's like i'm thinking if i'm god right Trust me, I'm hoping there's no lightning around here. <laughs> All right, but I I look at my kids, you know, and I see my kids, you know, doing some things that are self-destructive mm-hmm. or destructive to others and hurting others. I'm going to do anything and everything within my power to to stop it and to to come alongside and to to help them and and, and stuff. And I, I a couple things I don't understand is just like completely wiping, you know like 98% of the entire population of my children out and starting over with from scratch with just a handful of people on an ark. Yeah. I, I don't understand that. And, you know, I, I, I get that Jesus Christ was, con- you know, that the part of the redemption plan was that Jesus Christ would come. But why so many thousand years later? I don't, mm. I don't get all the, the blood and stuff that's spent. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, Jesus comes to the earth and he saves us. And, and hallelujah, we, we have the ability to overcome sin in our lives and we can live differently and we're guaranteed eternal life. But yet we still go through so much crap today. I mean, it's like Christ has won. He is risen. He is, he's this. And then all of a sudden God's just decided to go away for a while until he's going to come back again and bring the new heaven and the new earth eventually. But until then, people are still being raped and molested and beaten and killed and murdered and all this other stuff. But yet Jesus is, you know, I don't know. Well, I, I, my response to those kind of questionings, those kind of questions is, I think, a simple one. And we don't know the mind of God, and we can't even begin to think and relate to how he relates to us. It's just an analogy, an analogy our children, and we as the father and our children, as he is the father and we are the children, you know, yeah, there's some similarities there, but it can't be all-encompassing that way. It, just like we call the Father, Father, and we call the Son, Jesus. But that's only because that's how we relate that relationship. But, but it's not biological by any sense of the mean, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I don't like saying that answer because it feels like a cop-out even as I say it, you know? 
But I'm also willing to say, I don't understand it. But, you know, I will say, Cliff, there are times when in my children, I, I'm inclined to deal more justice than I am mercy. And there's times when, this is a horrible example, and I don't mean it <laughs> as right. literal as this is going to sound, wipe them off the face of the earth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, where they do something and you go, that you deserve so much punishment for that. You know, obviously, I would be just in a way if if I were like God in dealing out that same kind of punishment, you know, as he did with us. But he was merciful enough to let us try again, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm with you. It, it's a It's a hard thing to swallow if you look at it logically or even relationally we just don't have the same kind of perspective you know yeah it bothers me at times but not not too much i mean obviously my faith is still intact and and stuff like that and and it's not the first time these questions have come up but uh you know these days i feel a lot more comfortable voicing yeah you know those questions than i used to in the past yeah I find it so funny because uh, I will, on occasion, post um, some script, scripture references f- on Facebook from the message translation. And people r- will respond like, oh, that's so amazing. That's so fresh. And it's so funny to me because these are scripture references that um, we've read a million times in the NIV version. And they, you know, we just gloss over them. And you just read them again in a different light, and you go, "Wow, that's that's pretty intense," you know. Right. And it, and I feel the same way when I struggle with these questions that are like that. There's sometimes when I just think about them so often, they're like, "Eh, you know, God's different," and that'll have to suffice for a while. And then every once in a while, I'll go through a season where something hits me like it's never hit me before regarding some topic, you know. Right. So it's it's interesting that you you kind of bring that up. I I bought a book um today called Mere Churchianity. Oh nice. That's a <laughs> great play on words. Yeah. And it's uh it's written by the Internet Monk at the internetmonk.com. It's a guy that um has had a blog for a long time. He passed away actually in April due to Kansas. In fact, he lived in in uh, Kentucky Cliff. He lived, uh, I think, on the west side somewhere. Hmm. Um, had a pretty big uh, blog following. But anyway, he he he's kind of his whole rhetoric was talking about leaving church as we understand it, and in 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 his words. Um, searching for that Jesus-shaped Christianity or the Jesus-shaped spirituality, meaning what we experience now as church is something, but it's not necessarily has any relationship to Jesus. <laughs> and so the book's premise, along with the website, is very is very much questioning every aspect. Now, he was in a uh, he was a, a professor of some degree, and he also taught um, in a ba- I think Southern Baptist denomination. So he wasn't like he just threw traditional church out the door, but he did challenge the notion 
and wanted people to realize that the church, that the church as an expression, as we know it now is really much different. He thinks than what it ought to be because we're not, we're not really showing a very good job of Jesus to the world. I think when it comes to the church, the church system, you know, um, it's kind of a tie into what you're reading, you know, about that, the Epic of Eden, kind of challenging what you think in a certain way. And I'm reading it at a time when I'm really going headlong back into the arms of, <laughs> I, I think it's so funny because you, so, you are so, you are so connected right now. You are so connected to your local church in, in a, such a crazy way. And I've never been further. I, I have never my, well, okay. I have never been this far disconnected from the local church for this length of time before. Now, with that being said, am I still going to church on on Sunday? Physically, I'm there. Yeah. Physically, I'm there. Spiritually and emotionally, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I am am totally checked out. Yeah. And I've I've read this guy's writing for a long time. I think it's something you'd like to look into. And obviously, you got some other books and stuff to read, but... If you make the time, it, it might, it might. Uh, well, mere churchianity that that it that mere churchianity that alone says at least his writing's going to sound you know interesting anyway. Yeah. Hey, yeah. let me read to you a quote from this from the Epic of Eden real quick because I, I looked it up here. This is something that I highlighted in the Kindle. It says, uh, "I am." She says, "I am frequently asked why do bad things happen to good people." By this question, people usually mean why do babies die? Why do young parents? Uh, why why are young parents struck with cancer? Why are good citizens killed by drunk drivers? Sometimes people ask this question uh, at sometimes people who ask this question are thinking more globally. Why do tyrannous governments thrive? Why does terrorism reproduce itself? Why are the tons of tens of thousands of children on this planet orphans? I am intrigued by the frequency of this question for many reasons. The foremost is because the ver- they let's see because the very voicing of this question demonstrates to me that Adam remembers. And of course, every time it says Adam, it's usually the abbreviations and kind of writing it in like the original language kind of mm-hmm. form. You know, again, saying, you know, every time it's it's the people, the original inhabitants of. Yeah. Okay, but Adam remembers. Our DNA seems to know that it is wrong for babies to, to die, for disease to pillage our bodies, for governments to abuse those who, call, who they are called to protect. The earliest li- literature we possess speaks of humanity's quest for immortality. Human, humanity somehow, somehow knows it should not die, even though in all remembered experience, humanity has always has died. Uh, and this sixth sense is not restricted to those who believe. No, all the sons of Adam and daughters of Eve somehow know that Adam is not what they are supposed to be, that there is something profoundly wrong with the world as it is. I believe this sense is evidence of the residue of the presence of the image of God in humanity. The image is broken and marred, but it remains. And it is this aspect of humanity that recognizes the wrongness of this world and continues to cry out for the world as it should be, Eden. Mm. That's actually pretty epic. I'm telling you, my friend, this (laughs) book 
is awesome. So, so you know, everything that I shared earlier, I mean, those are, those are some pretty harsh words, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the fact is, is the, I love what she says here. The fact that those things great, the things that, the fact, it's like, well, what is it about my mind, about my heart, about my soul that is so uneasy about those things? I mean, it's, it's, it's some of the things that I've had with people before. It's like, gosh, if you're atheist, how can you care about this? I'm with you. You know, if, if there is no right and wrong, then why don't you just take whatever you want when you want? Yeah, just kill anybody. I mean, if you're uh, if you're frightening, actually. Exactly. But and I love what this says. It's like the fact that people have a sense of morality, even those who are not believers in Christ or or who have absolutely no belief at all. They're just complete all atheists. The fact that they still sense that there is some right and wrong and that things aren't shouldn't be certain ways is is evidence that there is the thumbprint of God still within our DNA. I, I love it. Yeah. How true is that? And I, I will tell you that the one thing that, that this thing has uh definitely clarified for me, something that I've I've kind of touched on before, especially in reading Revelation. You know, it talks about the heaven, you know, the new Jerusalem descending mm-hmm. down. You know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people think of heaven. They think of, you know, up in the clouds that, you know, God's out there in heaven and everybody's in heaven. And it's and this it's this place, you know, above this earth. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that this book talks about is that, you know, the no, the Bible's quite clear that that Eden was the original plan. And and. Eden, you know, the restoration of Eden is 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 the ultimate goal. That's the redemption plan. And right. Eden will be here on earth. Yeah. That the, that heaven will be here on earth and we will be restored to be able to walk within the presence of God here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's and it's not some spiritual, you know, we're walking on the clouds kind of thing. You know, it it it, re- it reminds me of of Jesus's prayer saying Thy that kingdom His come. kingdom come, and the significance of a statement like that, and what does that mean that His kingdom has come? Right. That kind of stuff gives me goosebumps. Gives me goosebumps. I'm with you. I got to read that book now. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I'm 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 so thrilled with this book. And if there's anything right now that that I feel like is keeping me, you know, somewhat connected in in a spiritual way, it, it's reading this book. It, it's it mm. it really is helping me to. I mean, because you know, sure, I know. You know, people say, "Well, gosh, Cliff, maybe you wouldn't be in such a spiritual funk if you would just open up your Bible and read it every day." You know, right? You know, I, I may maybe that's the case. But the thing is, is I, I can't I have read the Bible a lot and it's like I, I want something that's gonna cause me to take what I've read and really start to to dig in deep and 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 have what I've read make you know give me a little bit more context a little bit more understanding of why it was written and and challenge me in ways mm. that I've not been challenged before and that's what I'm finding with this book it's really doing that for me oh, that's awesome does it have um does it does it bring like certain scripture references and then talks about them like that? Um, you know what it, it you know what it does is it talks about um, it's it talks about cultural uh, references of the day, 
and then it will it will explain to you how certain systems worked back then and then it will go through and it, it's kind of like a it's more of a cultural it's an old it's an it's kind of like a cult, cultural his, history lesson of the day about what the government was like about how things were set up and then but what I'm saying it's not like it takes it okay now we're going to talk about mica no and then not we're yet. Gonna talk, we're going to frame it like that. We're no. just going to talk about the time, and then you can reference these scriptures to see where it was in this time. Well, they do break it down through time. They break down the entire redemption story into, I can't remember if it's six or eight covenants, but it, it's, uh, let's see, there's, Ad, you know, there's uh, Adam, there's Noah, there's Abraham, then there would be, I guess, is it then Moses? then David, and then Jesus. So it would be six. So it mm. talks about six covenantal periods of time. Mm. So basically there are, there are six eras, if you will. Mm. And so you've got the, the Mosaic covenant, you've got the Davidic covenant, you've got you know the Abraham, anyway, you've got, you've got these, that's where it breaks down history. And it says, right. we're going to talk about this period of time. Between, between Adam and and Noah this is this is one period of time that the bible covers and then then it's it goes from you know from Noah to Moses and then from right. Moses to 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 David and then from David to Jesus and then yeah. from Jesus you know forward yeah it sounds absolutely fascinating have you seen this bible the archaeological bible no i have not seen the archaeological study bible produced by Zondervan okay see? Yeah, it um, it's like what you're talking about, having a lot of historical references, but I don't think it's in it's in chunks. And what I I love most about it is the same thing that is distracting. I'll open this particular Bible up and read something, and I'll go, "Oh, look, here's something about Damascus," and it's you know four or five paragraphs, and I end up reading that and not even reading the scripture that it was you know tied to. Um, what that book sounds like that you're reading is a much more fluid version of a lot of that historical context. So and, that's and, pretty cool. And the one thing that I was saying before, and I think I, I kind of sidetracked myself, but after I'm done reading this book, I'm really looking forward to uh, reading the Old Testament through again mm-hmm. and feeling like I have um, an, a greater understanding of when I'm reading things it'll make more, uh, so many more things are going to make more sense. Let me ask you this then. Is what you're saying, is it a level of spiritual maturity? In other words, would you ask other Christians to do what you're doing in order to have a deeper relationship with God? That's that's a scary question. I, I would I would never encourage anybody to do what I'm doing because I, think, <laughs> I I don't know if I would call what I'm doing spiritual maturity because I'll be honest with you, Rob, I really I really struggle feeling like I I, I feel like I don't feel like I'm abandoning God. Backslider. I do ex- <laughs> that, that word right there. Exactly. You know, it, oh, come it, back, brother. Come back to us. I feel in in the old sense of the terms, I feel like a total backslider yeah. because I do not. I am not motivated by the same things that I used to be motivated by. I am not moved emotionally by the things that I used to be moved emotionally by. 
and I, I, I see. Sometimes I feel like I'm. A, sometimes I feel like I'm just overly cynical, and that I think too much about everything. And so I don't. I don't know if it. I. I don't think I would call it more maturity, but, but I'm certainly in a different place where I. I I'm seeing things through a whole different filter and sometimes I'm actually concerned that maybe my filter is because I'm becoming so heavily involved in such a post-Christian world mindset because I am so heavily involved in today's culture of internet, social networking and and stuff like that. Right. I'm 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 in a whole I am I am interacting with people in a whole different way than I've ever interacted with before. Do you feel close to Jesus, though? Yeah. Then I think that's the best place to be, close to Jesus and then close to the people that need him most. How can that be bad? I don't know. You know? And it makes me sad a little bit that there is an institution that would feed your guilt into thinking that you're doing something wrong just because you're not playing by their rules, you know? I I, so, I, I I feel like I should be doing less of what I'm doing and that I should be, you know, that that, that I should be, I, I feel like I should, I, okay, I don't feel like I should be, but I feel like if I wanted to be, feel, if I wanted to feel better about myself and, and please more people to think that I'm a better Christian, I feel like the best thing would be for me to spend a lot less time watching TV shows and talking about them uh, so that, that, you know, we're, we're communicating to a very large number of people. I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like I should uh, be spending less time building my business and more time uh, doing things like leading a in-home Bible study group and you know doing all the management tasks that are in, involved in that. That I should be spending more time focused on a, a small group of eight to ten people within my church versus you know hanging out with you know tens of thousands you know communicating to tens of thousands. Yeah, you know, I I, fe- I feel wrong for doing what I'm doing because of what I'm doing requires so much time and focus and attention that I don't put the same amount of time, focus, and attention on quote unquote church related activities that I used to. Churchianity, churchianity, mere churchianity, <laughs> mere churchianity. Listen, I'm going to read you something. Yep, but the time is coming. In fact, it it has come when what you're called will not matter. And where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. Is that from that blog? That's the message. That's John. Oh, okay. John 4, uh, verses 20-something through 24. Because <laughs> they don't put the verses in there. <laughs> they don't really put the verses in <laughs> I love that. It don't matter. Good old Eugene <laughs> Peterson. He's such a nonconformist. I love him. But do you see how that almost sounded like you'd never heard it before? Yes. Yeah, so re- read it one more time. Okay. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come. When what you're called will not matter... And where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. 
those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. You know, that that very beginning of that scripture means so much to me. The the one it does it, it there a time will come indeed it has come where what you're called does not matter and where you worship does not matter. Because I get people who will email me from time to time. It's like, man, I've been listening to your shows and I just realized that you're a Christian. Wow. <laughs> it's like scary, isn't you know, it? Yeah. And well, the, well, the thing is, and then then the next question for somebody who's a Christian is always, can you tell what denomination are you? What church? What kind of church do you go to? Because I want to see if you and I can mend, you know, can have a relationship of being cool with one another. Right. And it's like, dude, who cares what church I go to? You know, who cares what denomination I am? You're Christian. I'm a Christian. I, I don't even say that. You know, Rob, I am not a Christian. Yeah, I don't say it either. You know, I follow Christ. Christ follower. You know, I... A Jesus lover. I, you know what? I, I follow Christ. If you go... To, that's my favorite thing. If you go to my Facebook page, I think it's still there. Is it still there? If Let me go. Facebook, go into facebook.com slash Cliff Ravenscraft. Yeah, here it is. Relationship status. Married to Stephanie Ravenscraft. Current city, Cincinnati, Ohio. Religious views. I follow Christ. That, yeah, I'm with you. That for you know, it's it's not that I'm. I, it's not that I don't mind. People. I am a Christian. Right? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm a Christian, but I don't. I don't ever give myself that label. When people want to call me a Christian, I don't like. I don't like to accept that label because that label means different pe- things to different people. Yeah. You know, yeah, mine says lover of Jesus. Is that what so, yours says? Yeah, lover of Jesus. Listen, this might sound a little more familiar. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on his mountain nor in Jerusalem. And see what the message does is it takes it out of that historical context and brings it, I think, a, a lot more clear. I'm finding a lot. You know, I always compare the two because what I end up doing is I'll read that and I go, I don't remember that at all. That sounds so foreign to me. I'll go and I'll read it, the NIV or something else that I'm familiar with to compare the two. And, and the, the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter, both referring to Jerusalem the priestliness, and then going to the mountain where, or uh, vice versa, whichever. But yeah. the point is, when reading the NIV or something like that, that can be shrouded. Is the real intent saying it doesn't matter who you are or what you're called or where you go? That you, the real worshipers worship in a spirit of truth. Right. And another way of saying it is, be true in your worship. You know? and, and see that—that's the thing that I'm having. A, I, I have a very difficult time being true in my worship in church. Yeah, I feel like anything that I do there, it is so forced, and I, and to the point now where I feel like I have to manufacture something. Yeah, and and I, and to be honest with you, I've given up on that. I, well, you I, should. I have. Should. I have given up on manufacturing false worship at church. Yeah. Well, praise God for that. Because that's no different than what they did, the money changers, and selling, you know, birds with broken wings for sacrifices, you know, because somebody came and they thought, well, I, that's right, I'm supposed to tithe. Oh, look here, here's a pigeon, you know, yeah. <laughs> and when it was supposed to be the very best you had, 
it was supposed to you woke up that day and said i'm going to go offer a sacrifice in worship because i revere and respect the lord almighty and not just show up and go oh hey here i am up oh, i forgot my checkbook is in the car i'll go get it later you know kind of mentality which i'm not condemning because years years that's how i thought yeah you know in every way so i read that i mean that that john 4:23 hit me very very hard you know because i'm trying to figure out what is it that i'm really what is how am i being honest with myself and to god in my act of worship because i sit in a in a sanctuary with I would say heavenly music. It's going to sound very close. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's just, in, and there's do, there's days more often than not that I don't feel like I'm in God's presence. And I think that has little to do with where I'm at. In other words, it has almost everything to do with where my heart is. Yeah. And if I'm offering a fake sacrifice or a fake worship, shame on me, you know? But my question is, Rob, and, and this is the question I have, um, is if I were really honestly in a place where I was connected to Christ and 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 I was, you know, he, that, that he was the joy of my life, wouldn't I be able to go to church with a bunch of other people who are there to to worship God wouldn't I go and be able to just get past some of the music and some of the environmental stuff? I think, in a way, sure. I mean, you know, I've said it a couple of times. I feel like I feel unsatisfied in my spiritual growth, and 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 I'm active both in the online community. I mean. Not only that, I'm involved. I physically go there a lot. I know people there. I'm connected. I have relationships both in church functions and outside of church. Like we hang out on a regular, and I read the Bible. But at the end of the day, I, there's an un, I'm unsatisfied as if it is unquenchable. Hmm. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if I... I don't know. There's times when it, that when that frightens me, and there's times when it excites me. And it frightens me because I'm thinking maybe I'm so far away from who he is that none of this is really it. And then there's times when I feel like I'm excited because I cannot get enough of him. Like it's an infatuation again. You know? Yeah. And I don't know. I bounce back and forth from time to time. And I, 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 I feel a little unstable, not in the sense like I'm losing faith or I question the large things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how do I live my life in such a way that my life is, is a worship to him? Right. How is my life a sacrifice to him? And I just don't know the answer. That's what I don't know the answer to. And it isn't going to church and pretending I'm worshiping, you know? Right. So. You know, I, it, it, it's, it's amazing because, you know, I, 
I do so many different things openly in the public and, and share so many different things on podcasts and stuff like that. And, you know, from the emails that I get from people, you know, I would think that there's something going on that people are seeing that I'm not seeing because <laughs> they clearly think I'm doing a whole lot better <laughs> in yeah. this whole Christianity thing than, than I do, you know, and, and, and that, that's just, it's, it's weird. It's like, you know, somebody will say, you know, I just, I heard your talk about that story and it's like, man, what an, what a great witness you are to your listeners. And that, that's just so amazing and, and keep up the awesome work and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, but it, it it's 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 weird how you can get so down about where you you fall short you know or where you feel like you're falling short yeah and i'm sure a lot of it has to deal with a spiritual battle that we have you know and we can't lose sight of that and it's for me very easy to become so satisfied and apathetic to these spiritual aspect of everything in our life. And one of the things that our old pastor Keith said a lot that I love and I still hold dear is everything is is emotional, everything is spiritual, and everything is physical. And that all of them are tied and that you can't separate them. And we could say, oh, I'm just down as a bummer, you know, I'm just on an emotional valley. Well, there's spiritual implications of that as well as Physical ones. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep. It affects your psyche. And then you're prone to to spiritual attack, however that may be, through temptation or through actually sinning or whatever. And then, then that has an effect, too. No different than opening up the Bible and reading it out of enjoyment can lighten your emotional mood and make you go, you know, I'm going to go walk for three miles because I feel great. You know, however that works out. And I just think, for me, it's easy to get so wrapped up into the here and the now and in the moment, that specific task that I'm doing, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, work, children, wife, church, anything except him, you know? Right. And you and I talked, we had a talk probably six months ago. I don't know how long ago it was, but talking about how we were going to make a, an attempt to actually just take time out of the day to be in his presence. I have yeah. not done that one time. I just now remembered you saying that. <laughs> you and I were saying that. Yeah. Um, I remember doing that once or twice right yeah, after that. I maybe did it once or twice, but I don't actually remember in any significant way. Hmm. But I think that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, hey, um, one of the things that I am trying to do is to get back into some self-discipline areas or in other areas of my life. And uh, one of the places I feel like, you know, I don't know about you. Have you ever been in a place where if you get, you know, out of whack and you let one area of your life kind of go, you feel kind of let down in a bunch of other other areas of your life. Yeah, for, every day. Yeah, well, <laughs> for me, it, it's my physical activity. There, I had been so on top of my game on that and, and losing a lot of weight. And just recently, I've just, you know, this past couple of months, I've been doing a lot of travel and I've been allowing that to become like a huge uh, um, 
excuses for me not to be able mm-hmm. to work out because you know I go you know b- before I go away I have to do a lot of work just to get to the place where everything's cleared up before Preparation. I leave. Exactly, and then you get get you're gone, and everything's right. crazy there. And right. then all of a sudden you come back and it, you have to, you know, I feel like I have to work around the clock to get caught back up. And then I've, you know, I did that, you know, two and trips out again. <laughs> exactly. But, um, you know, one of the things that I, I want to just let you know that I'm trying to do is uh, get back into working out an hour each day at the gym. And uh, I was supposed to go this morning at 630 this morning. Mm-hmm. Didn't go, but I did go at five o'clock this evening and I worked out for an hour. But uh, I'm going to try to go again tomorrow morning and each morning before I start my day. Yeah. I think I'm going to try um, to do what we talked about, you know, six, eight months ago and take a step back from everything. I, you know, I, I can't even say that I want to do it daily because the excuse that, or the fear or that thing that would keep me from doing it is to say I'm doing it for the wrong reason. But I want to do it for the right reason. So there is something to be said that there needs to be an attempt made to actually connect to him without all the other uh, distractions, you know? Yeah. And it's amazing to me how eight months flew by, eight months or however long it was that I said that and I, not even one time. Hmm. And here I am again realizing I need... I need to be purposefully in his presence again, yeah. you know, on purpose, not go to church, listen to the wonderful songs and the light shows and all that stuff, or read the next great book because they're great books. There's great church services out there, but they're not him. Yeah. You know, so I will be in prayer. Are we going to wrap up with prayer tonight? Yeah, let's wrap up with some prayer. Well, that's that's what I would like to, for for me personally to pray about gotcha very cool well you want to you want to do some prayer here and we'll wrap things up yeah absolutely you want me to start yeah go ahead father we come before you and we are so blessed to be able to have this time to talk to each other to talk about you to think more about your word and who you are and what you've done I want to lift my brother up to you who has made a commitment to live a more balanced life a healthier life Um, that he would be a good steward of everything that you've given him, including his own body. And I know that, that the enemy and the world and even ourselves will make up any kind of excuse for us not to do what we know we should do. I pray against the enemy and I pray against the world. I pray against our own selfish desire to do what we want and not to do what we should. In fact, I would pray for my friend that his desire is to do those things. And I know that it is, but that it would be fully executed, that it would be taken, and as Paul says, to finish the race. Lord, I pray for his family. I pray that they would be blessed beyond count, beyond measure. I pray that the disconnect that we have in a church experience does not in any way equal a disconnect that we have in you. The truth is, Lord, we desire an intimate relationship with you beyond anything else. 
And what we're saying, Lord, is that we, we're willing to do what, what we need to do. And sometimes we're our own obstacle. And I pray that you would give us wisdom and strength to do those things that you would have us do. I thank you so much for who you are, what you've done. It blows my mind that you are the King and Lord of the universe, but you're also my friend. That you're my Father, but you're my Savior as well. You are so much higher than we are. It's hard. It's hard to fathom your love. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for giving us your word in flesh and in written form. Thank you for the church your true expression of the church, that body of believers, thank you for them. And I would pray for the church that that Cliff is tied to, those bodies, that body of believers, that they would be lifted up to, that they would step outside a tradition in search of you. And I'm not asking that they just deconstruct everything and everything that they know how to do. Rather, I pray that they would build toward a relationship with you. Father, I ask for these things in the name of Jesus. Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to come together with Rob and to I just have this time to talk. Um, I, I I miss the opportunity to do this every time that we go periods of time um, without having our time of accountability and prayer together, sharing with what's going on in our hearts and minds. And Lord, if I, I look back a year ago or even two years ago, and I look where Robert and I was back then and, and the conversations that we had and and the different fears and all the different anxieties that I had a year ago. They're so different today. And and Lord, I guess I should I should praise you that I could sit here and have my mind focused on things so outside of myself because you know, that are so external because before it was, you know, just the, you know, God, am I going to be able to make it? Am I going to be able to to do this thing that I feel called to do? Am I going to be able to pay the bills? Am I going to be able to do this? And and Lord, I look at where I am today, and 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 I see all the prayers that that we prayed uh, a year ago, two years ago, that that you've answered them, that you've blessed us beyond imagination, Amen. And, and that that you know, one of the things that I find right now is is that. You know, I'm at a, I'm at a place now where I don't have to work 90 hours in a week. I, I I could literally get by with a you know a 50 hour work week with you know 40 or 50 hour work week, and I and I could do pretty well financially. Uh, and, you know, and 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 that you know I still struggle sometimes with wanting to work too much and and getting my priorities out of whack. And and I I just you know I I thank you for this time with Rob to to help remind me of what's most important. I thank you for the reminder of our commitment so long ago to to just spend time in your presence, not not with a lot of words, just to come into your presence and sit down and and just experience you and to be moved by you. And uh, 
I, I pray that for Rob and I pray that for myself and Amen. I pray that for people who listen to this. I, I just pray that, you know, it, it you know, to, to get closer to you that we don't look for that what's that next thing we can do to make others people feel like we're close to you that makes us feel like we're closer to you. But just to be closer to you is is what we desire. Amen. And uh Lord, I, I lift up a, a friend of mine who uh, whose wife is pregnant with twins and, and you know that he's that's been the one prayer that's been on my mind over and over again and I just pray that you uh, continue to make this a healthy pregnancy and, and keep things uh, moving forward in the fashion that they should and, and uh, you know I'm just blessed to be where I am God and and I know that there's a lot of responsibility and I know there's a lot of things that you want me to do and and uh, I just pray that I can live up to it, and and where I fall short, Lord, will you give me the power and the strength to to do things that are beyond even my own ability? Yes. Help me to stop being a perfectionist. Um, help me to just understand that sometimes things are just going to be as good as they are, and and to move forward and and not get caught up in all the details that I sometimes get caught up on. And and Lord, I you know as far as the questions that I had you know at the beginning of this episode, I, I do I, I I don't understand you, I don't understand you know the some of the things that you said in the Old Testament and and I don't know maybe maybe there's going to be an answer for for why you got upset with a you know with a king for for not destroying and killing all the young men, women, and children of a particular nation. It just doesn't make sense to me, God. But <laughs> but uh. You know, despite my doubts about some of the things that you do and say, despite some of the things that I don't understand, I know for a fact that you are my God. Amen. And that is something that is not shaken. Amen. And it's not moved off the foundation of the faith that you have put in me. I have never once questioned your gift of eternal life. And I thank you, and I give you praise for that. And I pray for my wife, for my children, for Rob, his wife, and children. I just pray that you will help us to understand what's most important in this life and to always move forward to run this race in the way that you call us to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.